Now, you can see I put some things up here that are a little different on the platform this morning, and I'm going to get to them in just a minute. But first, let me, uh, let me just uh, get going by saying that the most difficult part when we do a series of sermons is that they build on a sermon, or they build on each other, and you just can't go back. The previous sermons, you can't go back and tell everything about them. But the overall teaching that we're talking about these three weeks is just the whole idea of I am managing God's investments in me. I am, I'm a manager, you're a manager, and the subject, of course, is the word stewardship. So we talked the first week about the stewardship of our time. God has invested time in us. We've all got 24 hours a day, and he wants us to use it uh, well. And then uh, we discussed last week the stewardship of our talents. That is, those gifts and abilities that the Lord has given us in a special way to use uh, to build up the body and to uh, grow in grace. Then today we're going to talk about something a little bit different. It's interesting that, you know, uh, the first week was about time. The attendance jumped up a little bit the second week. I was afraid since you know that the third week is I'm talking about your treasures. I was wondering if anybody would be here. Man, I congratulate you. You're here, even in spite of the weather and even in spite of the subject. Maybe we'll have a stampede when I give you the subtitle of the sermon. The subtitle of the sermon is The Sermon on the Amount. So nobody running yet. Okay, very good. So God is generous and he wants us to be generous. He wants us to reflect his glory and his character. And so this morning I'm going to talk to you about, uh, yes, I'm going to talk to you about what the Bible has to say about giving. And uh, the Bible does talk about it. In fact, it's one of the major subjects Jesus talked about in his own personal ministry on earth. Now, let's make a deal. You relax, let God's word speak to you, let his workers speak to you, and then think about what it is that I showed to you this morning. Here's my promise to you. I will never ask for a single red copper, not one penny for myself. I don't want you to give anything to me. It's not about me. This is about you, and it's about your relationship to the Lord and growing in this grace also, as 2 Corinthians chapter 8 talks about it. Let me set this up by putting you at ease and let it tell you a little story. A couple of men uh, took, a, took a trip in a small plane, but they crashed and they were marooned on an island. The first man just completely went to pieces and he says, oh no, we are lost. There is no hope. It's over. We, will never, we are never going to survive. The second man was completely different. He laid down and he went very calmly, went right off to sleep. When he woke up, the other man was still in a panic and he said, what is the matter with you? We're marooned on this island. We're never going to get out of here. How can you be so, be so calm and just go to sleep? The man says, oh, don't worry about it. I make $10,000 a week. The other man said, what in the world does that have to do with it? $10,000 a week is not going to get us off this island. He said, oh, you don't understand at all. He said, I make $10,000 a week. I'm a member of a Baptist church and I tithe. My pastor is going to make sure that I'm found. So, uh, so relax. I mean, we're going to have a good time this morning, and I think you're going to you're going to uh, also thank God for this grace that we're going to talk about this morning. I gave a rather vivid illustration to close the service last week. I'm going to start off with a rather vivid illustration. I asked uh, Pastor Brian to get me some volunteers, so I have I have three fifth graders are going to come up right now. So you guys come on up. I have Shay and Pierce and Eden. Shay, Fry, Pierce, Paulson, and Eden Stauffer. Let's give them a hand. They're going to be helping me for a few minutes. First thing I'd like to do, Pierce, is let's open up these signs here and make sure we get them all in the right place. Let's see. This one says, yeah, give back. Yep, that one goes right there. And this one says, yep, would y'all open that up and put it right here? And I will open this one up. 
and make sure that it's visible right here. Very good. Excellent. Okay. I'm going to put this all the way out to the side so that you can see what it is I put up on here. Okay. Can you see what that says? What does that say? God lets me keep. All right. And the one in the middle, can you read that? What does that say? God's provision. Everybody is very mousy about this this morning. You're afraid I'm going to call you up to do something. No, you're fine. Keep your seat. But let's say, what, what is this? Can you read that? What does that say? God asked me to give back. So I'm going to move this over so that we can actually see what we put on here. And what we have back here is we have some, we have some fruit that represents God's provision for us. Uh, I meant to read this just a moment ago uh, uh, when we were getting started, and that is this. Um, we need to understand that the earth is the Lord's and all it contains, the world and all of those who dwell in it. How many of you believe that's true? The earth is the Lord's, everything in it, and all of those who dwell in it. How many believe that's true? Say amen. In other words, everything belongs to God and I belong to God. Can I get an amen on that? All right, that's good. Now, the Bible teaches us that, oh, I didn't know they were going to put me up there. Look at that. That wasn't up there in the first service. Okay. So right here, we have these bowls and they represent God's provision to us because everything comes from the Lord. We have 10 bananas, 10 oranges, and 10 apples in each one of these bowls. And these are my two givers right here. They have been entrusted. Um, Shay and Eden have been entrusted with God's goods, okay? And what God wants us to do, and I'm just going to go right to it, he, he has sort of set, he has sort of set an example in the Old Testament, in the New Testament as well, set an example that he'd like to have us give something back to him. Now, most of you have grown up and you've heard the word tithe, and it just means 10% or one out of 10. I was a little boy growing up in Sunday school. And uh, I remember uh, when I began to mow lawns and clean garages and help earn money, I didn't get an allowance. My dad didn't believe in it. Uh, but I, when I would earn money, my mother would convert whatever it is into dimes, nickels, pennies, quarters. And she just, she'd go through it with me over and over. She said, okay, so one out of every 10 pennies, you know, one dime out of every dollar. And she just go through it. And at church, they, they, in a Sunday school class, they had a little church with a steeple on it and a slot in the top. She says, Philip, what are you supposed to do with one out of every 10? I said, I know. I'm supposed to take it to church and put it in there. And so she said, because I'm giving back to the Lord. And I mean, my mother drilled this and my father drilled it in me week after week after week. It became a habit. And so uh, I believed it and, I, and, and still practice today. So what we have is 10 of everything. So what I, we got... 10 bananas, 10 oranges, and 10 apples, same thing. Okay, so what I would like you to do is to get one apple, one orange, and one banana, and go put it on whose table over here? Whose is this one? God's table. Put it right over here. All right? Go ahead, both of you. One apple, one banana, and one orange. Very good. This is what God asked me to give back. Now what I'd like you to do, and uh, Pierce, you need to go over to that table because stuff's going to start running off on the floor. Would you go over there? And, now, what I'd like you to do is just start carrying all that stuff and put it over here because this is what God lets us keep. He lets us keep nine out of 10. So just come on, just pile it right up over here and we're going to watch and we're going to see the generosity of God. Wait, wait a minute now, Who, whose is this? Whose table is this? It's, it's God's, but he is letting us do what? Keep it. All right, so put it right over here. Just grab it and make several trips if you have to. Go ahead, Pierce, you can help them. Let's get all that stuff and put it over here. Yeah, put it right there. Good. Nice. Just lay it down. You've got a lot to carry over. Excellent. Just keep moving. All right. 
This is what God asked back. This is what God lets us keep. And we're just going to be silent and we're going to let them do this so we get a real good idea of this. Let us watch and learn. Okay, keep going. There's more of it. Keep going. You know, God doesn't give it to us all at once, does we get We get it little by little, right? Doesn't give it to us all at once, so they have to keep going back and getting it. All right, good. I'll just bring this over here. You can put it on there. Excellent. Oh, there it goes. See there, I told you we're going to have to watch it because God's abundant in his generosity. And so that's, uh, that's pretty amazing. Now, let's do this. Let y'all just stand right here for a minute. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. Now, do you think God is generous? Yes. Do you? Do you think that's too much for God to ask back? Do you think that's too much for God to ask back from us or no? No. No, it's not too much. There's a lot over here, isn't there? Is there a lot over here? Yes. Is there less over there? Yes. Well, let me ask you a question. What if I've got all of this, and this is my part that the Lord has given me, it's your part. What if I look over there and I see that and I say, hmm, boy, I, if I, I could do this and I could go here and I could buy one of those if I just took this one and brought it over here and put on my, I mean, God's, there's, a, there's still a lot over there. I mean, there's some over there. And so I'll just put this over here. Whose table is that over there? God's. And whose table is this over here? Ours. What did I just do? I went over to what? I went over to God's table and what did I do? I, I stole it. Oh, really? So I stole from God and I put it over here and, and is that a good idea? No. Is that a good idea? No. Let's give these kids a hand. They have done a very good job. Now, let somebody come and remind me after the service, I'm going to put this back over there, okay, because I don't want to be accused of this. There it is right there. All right, so you say, wow, that is a very, I just don't like that, Pastor Phil. That is just too vivid, and it just hits too close to home, and I mean, I mean, does God really expect, now, wait a minute, let's everybody get a real visual here. Is there a lot of stuff over here? Is it not quite so much over here? Is this ridiculous for God to ask from us? Let me go to the scriptures this morning. Uh, I need somebody to help me with my pulpit over there. Bring that up here. I had a Bible too. Here it is over here. Excellent. And let's just get into the scriptures. You have your Bibles with you, I trust. If not, you can open up on your, on your uh, electronic device. And we're going to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and we're going to read some, uh, some of these, uh, read this passage together, and then I'm going to tell you what the Word of God says. Let's make a deal this morning. I promise not to tell you anything, preach anything, or talk about anything that's not right from the Word of God. How about that? Is that okay? All right. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I've been in the ministry a very long time, and everybody says amen to almost everything I preach until I come to this subject. So let's, uh, let's look at it this morning. Some of you are out there and say, Pastor Phil, I'm that guy that I'm, I believe what you're saying and I give and I give above that. And, and, and boy, I am just so, praise God, somebody's given. By the way, this isn't about the amount of the offering at Grace Church. This is about the amount of grace and how you're growing personally in Jesus. And I just want you to listen this morning. So 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 1 to 15, let's stand together. I'm going to read the first five verses. I want you to join me on verse 6, read down through verse number 9, and then I'll read 10 through 15. So I'll tell you when to start reading. So let's look at the Word of God and let me read it. Now, concerning the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you. 
For I know your willingness, about which I boast of you to the Macedonians, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal has stirred up the majority. Yet I have sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this respect, that as I said, you may be ready. Lest if some Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to mention you, should be ashamed of this confident boasting. Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time and prepare your generous gift beforehand, which you have previously promised, that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging obligation. Now, join with me and read until I tell you not to. Ready? But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Now let me finish reading. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything for all liberality which causes thanksgiving through us to God. For the administration of this service not only supplies the need of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgiving to God. While through the proof of this ministry, they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ and for your liberal sharing with them and all men. And by their prayer for you, who long for you because of the exceeding grace of God in you. Now, really focus on 15. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. The gift of God's grace in the person of Jesus Christ who died for our sins and continues to lavish on us his grace in a continual fashion. Would you bow your head in prayer? Father, add your blessing to the preaching and teaching of your word. I pray, Father, as chapter 8 says, that we would grow in this grace also. And Lord, I pray that you would help those that have been faithfully giving. Lord, please sustain them and bless them because of their giving. And then for those that are learning to give, Lord, I pray that you would just broaden their vision. I pray that you would increase their faith, and I pray that you would show yourself faithful in this matter. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen, and you can be seated. Okay, so Pastor Phil, the big question, how much am I really supposed to give? Now, I don't make any bones about it. I am specifically talking about giving to God through your local New Testament church today. So somebody's going to say, Pastor, that's where I part company with you. I believe that my giving is my business and I will give when, where, and just how much I want to. And I can say to you, okay, great. But let's remember that Jesus said his program for evangelism, discipleship, care, and compassion for the whole world, his program is the local New Testament church and the conglomeration of churches worldwide. Matthew 16, 18, I also say to you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You say, well, that's the universal church. And the evidence that that universal church exists is what the epistles are all about. All of them were written to individual churches in locality 
realities where believers came together and they worked and collaborated in order to get the gospel across the street and around the world. This very offering discussion given by Paul in the passage that we just read is given to a local New Testament church in Corinth of Achaia, or today we would call it Greece. So let me say that when a church operates as God intended with the purpose of making disciples both near and far for God's glory, and if that church operates with pastors or elders, deacons, and a faithful assembly, I want to just make a suggestion to you today. There has never been nor ever will be a more efficient, multifaceted means of obeying God and doing the work of God. God's missionary program to the world is the local New Testament church. Amen, Pastor Phil. That's really, really good from the Word of God. God is reaching the world through the ministries of a local New Testament church, churches. So we're called together to a community of believers on, upon salvation, to a local expression of God's family. And I know that many people really never want to join a church. They have many reasons, most of which has to do with not wanting to be too committed But I can tell you this, that when they are in need, they're really happy when the church joins them to help them in their time of need. Now, look, I, I don't apologize for teaching and admonishing you with love and patience and tact concerning faithfully giving to the propagation of the gospel through your local church. You say, well, I'm not a member of this church. I belong somewhere else. Well, then show that same sort of of, uh, loyalty and that same sort of of fervor for your local church and the ministry that they're doing. So pastor, what's the the deal? We just want to know how much. Well, that's a good question. I would like to just suggest to you, according to the scriptures, through your local church, what you should do and what your attitude should be. And let's look at it in this passage and look at your sheet, write a few things down. One, we should give according to a plan, according to a plan. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, we should not give emotionally. Uh, We shouldn't just respond to a sad story or a huge need and then just throw money in to the plate or send it in on purpose just because we hear that way. No, no, that's emotional giving and that can really be manipulated. No, we should plan. Verse two and verse five says that the church in Corinth was planning, but they had not fulfilled it, but they gave according to a plan. Something else, we should never give in view of a performance. You know, as in, boy, I really like that song or that music program over there. I'm really going to give according to that. It's kind of like the saxophone player in the Skyway. He's really good. I'm going to throw something in for him. No, it's not performance-based. We should not give in order to impress not buying bricks, inscribing our names and locations, or not standing up like the Pharisees did. No one received a greater rebuke from Jesus than the Pharisees who loved to blow their horns and make sure everybody knew what they were doing when they were praying and when they were giving alms and when they were taking their money and giving it in the temple. Jesus was not impressed. We shouldn't give to impress. We should not give to control. You say, what does that mean? Well, we're not trying to control the message, the methods, the messenger by giving or withholding giving. We're never supposed to do that. We're supposed to give according to a plan. We are supposed to do so in a predetermined way. And we get a prescription here in this passage, and I'm going to talk about that in just a moment. We should give it in a predetermined way. Here's some general truth from the scriptures, Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. Honor the Lord with your possessions and the first fruits of all of your increase. You say, well, I'm not having any increase. Well, you can't give if you're not having an increase. 
We're talking about when God is giving to us, we give back to him. He says, if you'll do that, your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. In other words, your industry, your work will prosper. Malachi 3.10, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Now, somebody's going to say, Pastor Phil, the church is not the storehouse. We don't live under the Old Testament covenant. Just let, let me get there. Will you just let me preach my sermon? I'm coming to that. I'm going to talk about it here in just a minute. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this, says the Lord. And see if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. There's a blessing tied to uh, this giving. First Corinthians 16, two on the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he, as, as he may prosper. So do it this way. So basically all of those verses and this subject and this first point is, first of all, we're supposed to think about God before ourselves. I had the kids bring and put this over here first because we're supposed to give what is right, not what is left over. So we think of God first. When we have an income, we have an increase. We don't say, well, I, mean, I want to do this. I want to do that. And I got to pay this. And I got to pay that. And I got all these things going. I know you have to reorient your life. I know you have to start thinking about organizing your budget. Budget? What? 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 But you know, I, I know. I know we got to think different, but we're supposed to think first. Honor Him with the first fruits of all your increase. So I had them put it over here first, and then what remains that we put on this table over here to illustrate the point of God's generosity toward us. So we think of God before ourselves, and we think beginning at ten percent. We think Sunday when the Christians are together. Now, Pastor Phil, this 10% thing, I just got a problem with that. I just want to talk to you about that. I got a problem with that because we're not Jews. We do not live in the Old Testament covenant, and we are not supporting the priesthood and the theocratic government. And I say, you are exactly right. We are not under the covenant. We are not Jews. We are not. We are under grace. And we are living and giving according to grace. You're exactly right. And that's why, there goes some of my sermon. That's why I'm not talking to you about giving 33 and a third percent this morning. You say, what, 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 what? Well, if we were going to go back and live under the covenant, then we would be talking about 33 and a third percent because it supported the government, the priesthood, the Levites, and everything they did. No, we don't have a priesthood. We don't have Levites. And we're not trying to support a government through the giving of our offerings at church, but we do have ministers of the gospel, a ministry team. We have missionaries all over the world carrying out the Great Commission. And so somebody says, well, Pastor Phil, you must not know how expensive it is to live today. You must not have any grip on how expensive it is and what's going on. Well, you know, I may not know everything about everything, but I know who does know, and God knows. God knows everything. And you know, uh, it's, uh, it's really an issue of timing. Uh, we are supposed to think of ourselves first, or we're not supposed to think of ourselves first. We're supposed to think of God first. And what we're supposed to do is think about what is giving what is right, not giving what is left over. You know, I've been in the ministry a long time, and people love to shout and give God the credit. They just don't like to give him the cash. Notice that the Corinthians had been quick to promise an offering, but they just had not gotten around to fulfilling that. Second thought I want to give you is that we should not just give according to a plan. I'm planning on giving, but according to our heart's purpose. Look at chapter 9, verse 7. So each one of you give as he purposes in his heart. And so you see, generosity begins in the heart. It does not begin in the offering plate. I have been doing my reading like you have, and I've read a little bit ahead. I tend to read seven chapters a day and just keep on doing that. 
So I read through Exodus, and uh, when I got to Exodus chapter 25, I found something really interesting because in those first few verses and all the way through that section, the Lord had asked the children of Israel who were in the wilderness, who had left Egypt, didn't have any source of income other than what they had in their possession at the moment, had not arrived to the promised land, so they weren't planting seeds and gaining and buying and selling, none of that. They were in the wilderness, and God said to them, everybody whose heart moves them, Everyone whose heart moves them, I would like you to bring a free will offering because we're going to build a tabernacle where I'm going to dwell among you. You say, well, how expensive was that? Well, according to today's dollars, it was just over $80 million. That was a pretty ornate building in the middle of the wilderness. So we think of their circumstances and what they were facing. You know, God was interested in their gifts, but he was much more interested in if their heart moved them. You see, your giving, my giving... It reveals our heart. Verse number seven again. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity because God loves a cheerful giver. You see, if we're tight-fisted with God and we fail to sow the seed of heartfelt generosity, we're certainly not gonna reap the benefits of our giving. I could go through this with great pain this morning, but you know, we're gonna reap what we sow in life. And uh, boy, I've learned that in many, many ways personally. We're going to reap what we sow. It's not going to be different. We're going to reap more than we sow. God never fails to increase the blessings. We're going to reap in proportion to what we sow. Again, if we're tight-fisted, it's just going to come back to haunt us. And we're going to reap later than what we sow. We don't drop a seed and have a harvest next week. You know, it's not that way. We, we give and we wait for God to bring in the harvest. Now, Jesus said this is true. He said it this way. He said, where your treasure is, there will your what? Heart be also. You see, giving is a heart issue. It is a grace in which we need to grow. So let me put it this way. Sometimes uh, where our money is all going really does reveal our heart. And so sometimes it's the casino, the racetrack, lavish homes, splendid vacations, extraordinary hobbies and things. And, and we just love it. And so we pour our money into it. And guess what? Our heart is following our treasure. Jesus said, if you want to make sure you're doing it right, then put your treasure where it ought to be and your heart will be there too. Your heart will be there. You say, well, Wow, Paul's really tough. Well, this isn't just Paul fleecing the flock, so to speak. He is speaking totally in agreement with Jesus. Listen to Jesus 6.38 of Luke, Luke 6.38. Give and it'll be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure you use it, it'll be measured back to you. And Jesus just reinforces this idea of proportional giving. Give it and the Lord will make sure and increase your giving. You see, it's in God's interest for those people who are not reservoirs, but channels. We're not a reservoir, all things flowing to us where it stops and we keep it, but where we're channels, then God finds channels and he can channel his money through it so that his good word of the gospel can go to the ends of the earth. We should give according to God's providence. Look at verse number eight. I love this. And God is able. How many of you believe that? In the wilderness, did they believe he was able to put a, to spread a table? Did those Jews think he could spread a table in the wilderness and give them meat? No, they didn't. Moses even said, Lord, am I going to kill all the cattle and catch all the fish in the sea? And the Lord says, you just watch and see if I don't keep my promise. And boy, he fed them quail until it was coming out their nostrils, the Bible says. Just got done reading that too. 
It's amazing. God is able to make all grace abound toward us. That that is so beautiful. Look at verse number eight. God is able to make all grace. Chapter eight says we need to grow in this grace. Everybody wants to grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Well, this is a grace for growing. This is an area to grow. This is an area of faith. This is an area to believe. Thus saith the Lord, and I believe it, therefore I behave accordingly. That's faith. And so grace, God is able to make it abound. Look at these words, all grace, all ways, all sufficiency, all things for every good work. So when we're communing with ourselves about how much we can afford, we're missing the point. It's really not how much am I able to do, but how much can I depend upon God and what is God able to do? We give according to God's providence. We should give according, according to God's provision. Look at verse number 10. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply your seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. So we give in a proportion to God's supply. You say, well, I don't have anything coming in. Well, then of course you can't do anything if you don't have anything coming in. You can pray. Uh, you, can, you can just ask God to increase what other people are able to receive and you can look for work. But if you are working, then we can give according to that to, the, to God's provision. The beauty of this generosity subject is, is that we're talking about being generous with what God is generous with us with. He supplies the generous seed. He supplies food for us in the meantime. He supplies the seed we sow and God takes a gift further than we could ever take it. And he multiplies what we give. You know, sometimes we look at the needs in the world and with the gift we can give and the amount we can put in the plate and you say, boy, they'll never miss what I can give. Well, you know, the lad, the day that Jesus fed the 5,000 could have thought the same thing. He could have said, well, what's the point? I got five loaves and two fishes, but what are they among so many? That's exactly what Philip said. But do you know, once we take what we have and put it in God's hands, it becomes a different situation because in God's hands, he can do a whole lot more with what we have given than what we could ever do ourselves. How many believe that's true? Say amen. How many believe God's able? That's the question. Is God able? Yes or no? He is able. He is. So he increases the fruitfulness of the gift. And we were saved for this person, John, for this purpose, John 15, 16. You didn't choose me, I chose you that you'd go forth and be fruitful. He enriches us to be able to give. We don't give to get, but we do give to be able to get so we can give again. And God is looking for channels. He's not looking for reservoirs. Let me hurry. Something else I was thinking about, we should give with great pleasure. Look at verse number seven. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. You know, it's God's good pleasure to give us the kingdom, Luke 12, 32. It should be our good pleasure to give back to him something of what he has given to us. Here's a Bible verse to write down. You've probably not read or seen in a long time, if ever, or never noticed it when you did see it. Deuteronomy 15, 10. You shall surely give to him and your heart should not be grieved. When you give to him, because for this thing, the Lord, your God will bless you in all your works and in all to which you put your hand. If you shall surely give to him and your heart should not be grieved. (laughs) That's awesome. Second Corinthians eight, nine, for, you know, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich yet for your sakes became he poor that you through his poverty might become rich. Now, He says in verse five, God loves a cheerful giver. Verse six or verse seven, he loves a cheerful or hilarious. That's where we get the word giver. It ought to just make us happy. God loves that. Well, let me ask you this question. 
What would it be like, wives, if your husband came home on your anniversary and he walked in and he looked at you and he's got roses in one hand and chocolates in the other? He looks at you and he says, listen, Hortensia, I just want to tell you it is our anniversary and I know it's our anniversary and I know that on anniversaries, husbands give their wives gifts and it's just what I'm supposed to do and it's our anniversary and I don't want to slip, I don't want to to make a mistake here and I don't want to do less than what's my duty. So here, here's your roses and here's the chocolates and you have a really wonderful day. Now what's for supper? Now if he did that, if I did that, I would all of a sudden be wearing roses and chocolates because uh, Bonnie would not want to receive from my hand something given with that attitude. Your children have a birthday, you don't ever do that. Junior, it's your birthday, you little spoiled brat. And I, I know it's your birthday and I know parents are supposed to give something to their kids on their birthday and here's a new widget and there it is and enjoy it. You say, Pastor, you're overdoing it. You know, sometimes on the extremes, things are clarified. God really is not interested if we weep and cry and say goodbye as our offering goes off to him. Oh, God loves a hilarious giver. You know, God's so abundant in his giving and his provision for us. We should give as proof of our profession. Verse number 13. I never saw this until I was just reading it again. I gave this illustration about 12 years ago and people never forgot it. I hope you never forget it. Look at verse number 13. It says in verse number 13, while through the, through the, while through the proof of this ministry, they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel and for your liberal sharing with them and for all men. We are giving proof of our confession, our profession. Christians prove their possession of eternal life because they know how to part with possessions in this life. Let me say that again. Christians prove their possession of eternal life because they know how to part with possessions in this life. Chapter 9, verse 3 and 4 pointed out that Paul had boasted about the liberality of Corinth, yet he'd have been embarrassed if they were not ready to give when they arrived. More than that, Paul said it would be a shame for the Corinthians to have readied their off, to not have readied their offerings. And folks, it's a shame for a believer that knows his Lord's love and forgiveness to close up his wallet when he has it in his power to give. Christianity that claims a gracious God, but its adherents are not generous in life or living a contradiction of terms. If we're not generous because our God is generous, then we are contradicting who we say we are. We ought to be generous. We ought to live a generous life in every circumstance. Today, I'm preaching and teaching about the propagation of the gospel through this entity called the local New Testament church, but we ought to be generous in every way. Generous with our time, generous with our talents, and generous with our giving, and generous with other people. Sometimes we have not because we ask not, and when we ask, we can ask because we just want to do what? We want to consume it upon our own lust. Number seven, we should give to produce thanksgiving and praise. This is just incredible. Verse 13 again, while through the proof of this ministry, they glorify God for the obedience of your confession of the gospel. Uh, it, it's awesome. They glorify, they praise God. And now verse 14, and by their prayer for you, we long for you because of the exceeding grace of God in you. Our giving produces thanksgiving and praise. Pastor Marty and uh, Brother Justin and their wives just got back from North Africa and from uh, France and they saw our missionaries and I'm sure they have plenty of stories. Marty told a couple a little bit earlier, uh, just talked about it just a little bit 
Um, man, I, I, I can tell you that having lived this and having been on the other end and having talked to people who the giving and the gifts that were given by a church or by individuals to meet a particular need, whether it was for the Bible distribution. I'm doing an Andean Trek Bible distribution trip in July. You ought to check it out. But I can just tell you the response of the people is just the, the praise. You tell those brothers back there, thank you so much for the gift because we were able to buy 173 of these Bibles and put them in this village that never had one before, or put a roof on a building that's always in the rain, or to put chairs in where they can sit and not sit on the floor. I, I can tell you of the thanksgiving to God and the praise that goes up. Our giving supplies the saints' needs. Our giving supports the gospel message. Our giving glorifies God. Our giving creates thanksgiving. Our giving results in praise. Sometimes the greatest givers on the planet are the ones that have the least amount. I... uh, This isn't really about giving an offering today or taking up money or meeting the budget at Grace Church. This is about you as an individual growing in this grace also, this grace of giving. You say, so how much should I give? Well, I don't know, but if they were commanded by the law to support the Levites in the Old Testament to make sure that the work kept going, they were commanded to pay their tithes, not give, not make an offering. What should we under grace in the New Testament? I'll tell you what, tithing is a, it's a good floor, but it's not necessarily a ceiling. Give according to the way the Lord wants you to give. Give as you are prospered. Give so that the word of God can go forth. Would you bow your heads and let's pray. Father, we have preached about the stewardship, managing your investments. We've preached about the stewardship of the time we have on this earth. We preached about the stewardship of the gifts and talents and abilities that you have given to us and those natural talents and those spiritual gifts. We've talked about offering them back to the body of Christ. Now today we come to this third subject, Lord, and that is of the of giving back to you of those areas of increase that we have. Lord, help us to give to you because we want to, not because we have to, to give out of a heart of cheerfulness and gratitude not begrudgingly, but help us to do it, Lord, not because the church needs it, but because our soul needs it. Lord, thank you so very, very much for your indescribable gift. In Jesus' name, amen.